In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of my most valuable lessons from my sabbatical last summer, where in which I got to walk the Camino across northern Spain, is the critical importance of what I have come to call despair breaks. A despair break allows a little bit of pause before a breakdown comes when you're overwhelmed. It allows time, it takes up time and space that could be spent pushing through even though you're exhausted but rather it allows the despair to well up, to be acknowledged. And then one can ask themselves, what's the right next step? I took despair breaks in tea shop, in a tea shop in Paris when I was overwhelmed with a language and couldn't find my way. And I took a despair break on top of the Pyrenees mountains when I thought I would literally be blown off that mountain. I've carried these despair breaks home with me, and I've found them immensely helpful when things feel impossible or too difficult or even hopeless. They might not be for everybody, but for me, despair breaks are the perfect way to acknowledge that something is wrong. And these breaks, perhaps because I formed them while on top of a mountain, don't let me stay there. You got to figure out the next right step. Our short gospel today concludes a three-week journey through Matthew chapter 10. Two weeks ago, Deacon Kelly reminded us that when Christ first gathered his disciples to give them instructions before going out, that one of the first things he told them to do was to travel lightly, to accept hospitality, and to be on guard the work of head. Last week, Father Steve, in a challenging way, picked up where Deacon Kelly left off and reminded us that the mission that Christ gave his disciples, and therefore to us, is to take up the swords on the way to peace. That those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for Christ's sake will find it. And this week we hear the end of this chapter, the end of Christ's commission to the disciples. And I like to imagine it as if it's an opportunity for the disciples, perhaps for the first time in a while, to take a despair break and to learn to ask, what's the right next step? While we have the luxury of hearing this great commission over three Sundays, and we have thousands of, of years, years of distance, distance it, makes it makes it a little, a little easier, easier to hear, even, even when, when it challenges us. According, According to, to the chapter, chapter before, Matthew 9, Christ, Christ has, has been, been healing people left and right. A paralytic man was able to walk. The woman with the issue of blood, her whole life was healed. A daughter of a religious leader thought to be dead was raised to life. Two blind men, never able to see in their life instantly, able to see. And of course, some casual casting out of demons as well. Christ responds to all of this by saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And all of that is just the run-up to what we heard two weeks ago. 
It's a run-up to Christ telling them to cast out demons on their own, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to take no payment, to plan no details of where you go. Or as Deacon Kelly put it, to pack light for the journey. And I can just imagine the eyes of the disciples wide as can be in awe and amazement, not just of Christ's miracles, but of the fact that they are now tasked to do that as well. I imagine Thomas sitting there trying to get every detail in his head so that he wouldn't miss any part of the mission. And I can picture James, son of Zebedee, cutting his eyes to his brother John, excited to do the work, but a little intimidated by it. And I can feel Peter on the edge of his seat, champing at the bit to get to work, even before Christ is done with his instructions. Because the instructions don't stop there. The disciples are also tasked with doing this work without fear. Before they can even wrap their minds around the fact that Christ is giving these people the capacity to perform miracles in Christ's name, they are instructed to do it without fearing for their life. They are instructed that the path to the kingdom of God is lined with systems of power that must be upended. And that, as Father Steve put it last week, the path to peace is filled with swords. And this is where I imagine Andrew's face growing a little cloudy. And Bartholomew's eyes darting around, wondering if he can face his own death without fear. And I can sense Matthew, the tax collector, doing mental calculations about the cost-benefit analysis of actually following Christ. The mission that Christ has laid before them is no small thing. And it's essential to remember that part of those first apostles' mission is our mission as well. To be a follower of Christ is not just to bear the name Christian, but it requires something of us, just like it did the apostles. Over these past three Sundays, we've heard this exact moment where these 12 disciples, these 12 students of Christ become apostles. That they are sent out not just to learn about the kingdom of heaven, but to go and make it a reality. It is no small thing to follow Christ. It is no small thing to follow Christ, not for those original 12 and not for us. And if you've, over the past two weeks, if you've found yourself struggling to hear the Great Commission, hearing that we can't plan and prepare as much as we would like, or that we might have to take up struggles and fights that would be easier if we just pretended didn't exist. I'd like to invite you into a bit of a despair break.
These last few verses of Matthew chapter 10 recenter the apostles. They recenter the apostles and us in the core of this mission. That we are sent by God to do this work in the world. To love others as God has loved us. To share God's great gifts and to work toward the liberation of all. And if you find yourself in need of a despair break because the weight of the world seems too much, or the vast and expansive nature of this mission to which we are called feels impossible, I hope that you can let yourself take a despair break. But I also pray that you can let yourself marvel about all the ways in which God has equipped you for this work in the past. And I pray that you can dream and imagine about all the ways in which God will equip you for this work in the future. We are called to this work, not because any of us are more special than another, but because our faith convicts us, because we know and believe that the swords on the way to peace are worth taking up, and that a life following Christ is better than a life we could have ever planned on our own. So let yourself take a break to wonder about all the ways in which your faith takes the shape of the cross. Take a break to dream about the work we have been given to do. And take a break to rest in God's infinite capacity to equip even us to do this work as we figure out the next right step. Amen.